This is WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. Welcome. I'm Warren Odeschalette, and this is A Baha'i Perspective. Perspective is a radio program that interviews people who have chosen to live their lives in accordance with the principles of the Baha'i Faith. If you want information on the Baha'i Faith specifically, you can go to the website www.baha'i.org, that's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G, or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. Today I'm playing a third in a series of interviews with Mr. Ray Estes, a Baha'i for many years who comes from a background of a born-again Christian. He has studied the Bible for many years and has developed new understandings of some of the Bible stories now that he's a Baha'i. The Bible story that Ray will talk about today is the story about Noah's Ark. I asked Ray what the Baha'i perspective is regarding this story. So often in, in uh, discussions about religion, the subject of Adam and Eve comes up and the story of Noah comes up. What's the truth or what is another way of understanding the story of the flood that maybe makes some sense. First of all, most scientists agree that there has never been a worldwide flood that could be traced, archaeologically speaking. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, the Bible talks about a flood that came all around the world and all the animals and every all living creatures were on this ark. Now, scientifically, we know that if we just gathered all the uh, insects, it would have sunk the ship without any animals being put on board. Okay. And if we tried to put all the animals on board, that ship would have been 10 times, 100 times bigger than it was. And then there's always the problem of the penguins. The penguins. The penguins. How did they get from the South Pole all the way to the Middle East? What a journey they had to make to get there. Now we can say, well, God can do anything. But, you know, we can keep throwing in that God's going to do magic. When if, you know, he gave us brains to think with and a heart to feel with and experience mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. If we look at it logically, those penguins didn't make that journey. And then you got to think about after the, the ship landed, okay. the journey, those polar bears and those <laughs> penguins had to make. And crossing the sea and going through Africa, it would have been a tough journey. I would like to suggest mm -hmm. that we take another look using our insight, our heart's abilities to mm -hmm. see in the pattern of the story a truth that is universal and true even today. Okay. So I'm going to start All right. with this story. Okay. But it goes back to the sons of Adam and Eve. That's right. where the story actually begins. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. First of all, uh, I would like to suggest that mm -hmm. there's an interesting thing. Most people have heard of Cain and Abel. Mm -hmm. But what most people forget and, and, and put aside is that there's a third son, and his name is Seth. Mm -hmm. Now, what's also interesting, it tells us where these, these sons, how they founded, basically, lifestyles. In other words, Abel represents the youngest son. Okay. Cain represents the oldest son. Mm-hmm. And Seth 
is the actual youngest son, but he's different than the other two. And it's interesting to kind of follow what these sons mean symbolically. First of all, the story about how the fight came between Cain and Abel. Okay. Cain, I I guess I have to go back a little farther. You remember in the last session I did, Mm -hmm. I explained how Adam was not the first human being, Mm -hmm. but the first spiritual person to recognize his responsibility to a higher power, God. Mm -hmm. He was the one that you might say, when mankind was ready to be bar mitzvahed, (laughs) when that day came, Mm -hmm. then God bar mitzvahed us by breathing into us that power of the soul to know God and to know the truth. But he also put a responsibility on us, and that is that we had to know uh, that there's a better way to do things and a not so good way to do things, what we okay. call the sinful way and the way of God. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I explained, of course, in the last session, but in this session, what we're going to do is look at the results. All right. These three sons do not represent actual individuals as much as they represent types of of human beings. Now, Cain being the oldest, mm-hmm. has a very interesting statement in the Bible about this. Okay. Now, as you know the story, one was a farmer and mm. one was a herdsman. All right. We know historically that when men began to farm, we began to advance. Oh, okay. What's interesting to note is that the descendants of Cain, and I'll just read what the descendants of Cain did. Okay. Uh, now, this is his grandson, Lamech, took two wives, and they were Adar and Zilhah. Zil, I'm sorry, Zilla, and Ada bare Jabal, and he was the father of such as dwell in tents, and of such as have cattle, herdsmen. Mm-hmm. And his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all such as handled the harp and the organ. He's the father of all musicians. Okay, who who is that? That's the grand, in other words, the grandson of. Uh, Noah, I'm sorry, of uh, Adam, Adam mm-hmm. through his son Cain. Okay. Then he has another, this grandson has another um, a wife who's named Zillah, and she also bare Tubal Cain, an instructor of every artificer in brass and iron. Okay. Technology. In other words, the first technology mm-hmm. on planet Earth was the development of metal. Mm-hmm. and musical instruments of sophisticated nature. Notice it's not just any instrument. It's mm-hmm. the harp, which was a sophisticated mm-hmm. instrument. And that they were tillers of the soil. Earlier it mentions that Cain is a tiller of the soil. Okay. I'd like to suggest that Cain represents the modern man, the builder of civilization, because their father, these boys' father, whose name is Enoch, mm-hmm. is the builder of the first city. We know where this took place. This took place... In the, around the area of the Tigris-Euphrates rivers, which mm-hmm. is in now the country of Iraq, mm-hmm. the formerly uh, Mesopotamia. Yes, and and see, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw this in the History Channel, but they feel they have actually found where e- where where the Garden of Eden was, mm-hmm. and, and where all that took place, and it's actually in the area between Iran and Iraq. Okay, and so the first civilization when they went east out of Eden went into this area where we know the first civilization was called by historians the Sumerian civilization. Okay. Which is where all these stories and everything come out of. Mm. Cain represents those people who were um, 
shall we say, full of ingenuity, mm-hmm. begin to till the soil. They represent the time when mankind shifted into becoming farmers from mere uh, living off the land. Mm. Okay. I would suggest to you that this is a more advanced human, but there were those who did not. They did not follow the instructions of their father, Adam, mm. and they were good boys, but they were younger. Mm. In a sense, they're not yet 13 years old in mentality. They're mm. still children. Okay. They're still living in the Garden of Eden. If you can see the Garden of Eden, as, we, as I discussed in the previous uh, uh, session, mm-hmm. the Garden of Eden is childhood, okay. humanity's childhood. And when people still live in a society where they live off the land and they don't necessarily build businesses and cities, but they actually live within nature, they are the descendants symbolically of Abel. Okay. And Cain has been killing Abel low these many thousands mm, of years. Interesting. Suggest to you that when Columbus landed in America, he discovered Abel. Mm. He represented Cain, mm. and Cain has been killing Abel. When civilization went into Africa, they found Abel, mm. sweet Abel. And why does God prefer Abel and what he does to what Cain does? Mm-hmm. But when we reach a certain stage of development at about 13 years old, mm-hmm. suddenly we are given the responsibility of making decisions on, on, and that's why in the Hebrew religion, in the in the, uh, in the uh, Ju- Judaic tradition, mm-hmm. when you get 13, you become a man, you're responsible for yourself. Mm-hmm. In the Baha'i faith, we say it's at age 15. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing is that we expect more out of that child, and we get irritated when he acts too selfish. When a child acts the same way, we accept it. And I, mm-hmm. I want to read you how the Bible describes this. Okay. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you wroth? Now the reason is because God has preferred the offering of Abel over Cain. Mm-hmm. And, and God's saying to Cain, What are you upset about? Like, how come you're upset? Mm. I think it's the same classic idea that parents seem to favor the smaller children and let them get away with things. But as soon as you get a certain age, they don't let you get away with it anymore. And they come down on you. Right. So he's right. feeling God's not accepting what he's doing. Mm-hmm. And he goes on and says, And why has thy countenance fallen? And why are you, why are you upset? Mm. If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. If you do well, your brother's going to look up to you and, and want to be like you. And... And you will actually guide him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But if you don't do right, then you're in trouble. Mm -hmm. So he becomes jealous of his younger brother as he he, he doesn't like seeing his brother living the good life, living off the fruit of the land. He goes in and tries to control him and dominate him. This is what we've been doing. When uh, they landed in the Hawaiian Islands and saw these people living in paradise, what did they do? Appreciate it? No, they went and wrecked it mm. and turned it into a cesspool. That's Cain doing mm. his thing to Abel. Now, if you get the, 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 the sense of this, this is the dilemma of modern man. Mm. To whom much is given, much is expected. Unfortunately, Cain has not got a good reputation mm. about his treatment of his younger brothers who are around the planet. 
Okay, now we come around to the third son. Okay. Goes on to say in the later, in the fifth chapter, and so uh, now I'll just read that part real quick because it's kind of interesting. It's like, it's like the book of Genesis starts all over again. It says, and this is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day that God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them. Now here, Adam is being called both male and female. Now where it's is the this? species. What? This is the fifth chapter of Genesis. Okay. In other words, there's four chapters already been describing what we're familiar with. Mm-hmm. But very few people go back and find out there's a second version. <laughs> and in this version, listen how it goes. Male and female created he them and blessed them and called their name Adam in the day called their name Adam mankind in the day when they were created and Adam lived 130 years and begat a son in his own likeness and and Adam is in the likeness of God so this son is in the likeness of Adam after his image and called his name Seth Mm. now what's interesting it goes on to show that the descendants of Seth are the first people to begin to call upon the name of the Lord. Hmm. They're the third group of people. They represent the people who keep God's covenant, who do not go against his will, who remember God, who call upon God. And what's interesting, that Abraham and the children of Israel and Christianity are all descended from Seth. Ah, okay. And Seth represents the people of the covenant, and they too are farmers. The difference is they don't live in cities. Now we come to the story of uh, Noah and the ark. With this background, we can now take that on. Now, most people are familiar with the story that there was a flood, but they don't understand what was behind the flood. Mm-hmm. And what we have to figure out is, according to spiritual the story, the spirit of it is that man began to disobey God in some way. And in doing so, God really got upset. I mean, he didn't just get a little upset. God really gets upset. And he's going to drown them, all right? Now, what caused the God to get so irritated is interesting because I suggest to you, we're witnessing the same occurrence happening now. Because Jesus said, mm-hmm. when he would come again, mm-hmm. it will be as in the days of Noah, all right? Oh, okay. So there's something we can learn about the story of Noah. Mm-hmm. to figure out what's going on in our world today. Okay. I'm going to read the opening part of the Bible story. All right. And it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them. This is where it's really interesting. And the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were very fair. And they took them wives, all of which they cho- chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be a hundred and twenty years. The idea being that he had lived longer, now God was going to shorten his days. And then there were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the name of God came into the, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, and the same became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of men was great on the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And that's when God makes a decision to wipe out the human race. 
Okay. Now then, what's with this story? Yeah. Now let me tell you the versions right. of interpretation. All right. Most religious people, communities today, believe that angels came down out of the sky and mated with men, with women, and created peculiar beings. That's in the Bible. That's that's what that's what I just read. That's how they interpret. Oh, they interpret that they particular interpret verse it that way. Okay. But there's another way, a way that makes so much sense, but is very painful to receive. Mm. First of all, that when you say in the Bible, men versus the sons of God, who are the sons of God and who are the men? Cain is the men, the normal people, mm. the people of the modern world living in cities, living the high life. Mm -hmm. The sons of God are the descendants of Seth. They're keepers of the covenant. They do God's will. They're trying to be like God wants them to be. They want to be the sons and daughters of God. Mm. But they live in the country. Mm. They live in farms. They're wonderful, God-fearing people. Mm -hmm. But when the cities start going up, mm. and the cities start developing new, developing new technology, for an example, back home, among the sons of God, they mm. are plowing with wooden plows. Mm -hmm. But they hear from travelers that in the city they've developed a new kind of plow made out of metal that can do three or four times as much with less work. Mm. They hear about tools made out of metal, no longer just out of stone and wood. So they say to their sons, Hey boys, come here. We're going to send you on a journey. Mm. We want you to take our crops, the things that we've put together mm -hmm. and go trade for some of those new tools we want some of that stuff that they got in the city <laughs> now, this is an old story mm. this has been going on from the beginning of time it's like Abel wanting to go and become like Cain but in this case these are the sons of God these are the people of the covenant these are the people who call upon the name of the Lord mm. now here's the point when these people go to the big city well, first of all, what was it like back home? What did the girls look like back home? Back home, the girls dress with, all you see is their eyeballs mm -hmm. and maybe occasionally a nose mm -hmm. until they're married. Then you find out what you got. Okay. But when they get to the city, what they see when they get to the city, they have never seen nothing like this before. Ooh, they say, we want one of those. This is a familiar story. Country boy goes to the city. Mm-hmm. Country boy gets all caught up in the wild flash of modern living. And what happens? They want those kind of wives. But these wives know not God. Mm -hmm. These wives know not the covenant. Mm -hmm. So when the people of the heart and the faith in God get caught up with the worldly this is a symbolic story. The women mm. doesn't mean that women. It just means women, in this case, symbolize all the wonder of modern technology to dazzle the youth, to suck them in to where they begin to forget to call mm. upon the name of the Lord. Mm -hmm. So what happens is these two get married. Now you have a man who's got some sense of right and wrong from his, his heritage, mm. married to a person who thinks in the terms of the worldly and the pleasures and the fun and games of modern civilization. Mm. And when these two get together, they produce a new type of child. This child 
knows what's right mm. but wants to do the other too mm. so he learns to put on an act on the outside that looks real good while underneath it all doing what he really wants to do I would say this sounds familiar perhaps like the first politicians the first mighty men of renown the mm. ones that rose to the top of society because they looked so good on one end and were so devious in the other and what we had <laughs> is the first crooked politicians who gained power in the city okay. and this is what ticked off God mm. because you see when people who know better when people who know the right way get dazzled by the gold and tinkle of the modern world and lose themselves in it what hope is there for humanity mm. if the people the sons and daughters of God get caught up in worldliness they bring about the destruction of that society mm. and I would suggest to you that we are in the days of Noah all over again mm. we have many people who claim to love God Mm -hmm. Many people who claim to make a covenant with God. Mm -hmm. Many who say they've given their hearts to God. Mm -hmm. This is the path of Noah's time mm -hmm. that caused God to become so upset. We shouldn't wonder at some of the things that happened to us. Mm -hmm. And I suggest to you, we know better. Mm -hmm. And when we know better, it makes it worse. Mm -hmm. And so the story of Noah is the story of people living in that state. Now, now we have Noah. Noah represents the prophet of God. Mm -hmm. who's raised up who finds grace in the eyes of the Lord and he calls out to the people not to do this mm -hmm. he calls for them to leave the sinking ship of society and he creates an ark mm -hmm. and what is this ark I suggest to you this ark is a new community with values with commitment with vows of, of loyalty to God and where family, man and two by two, they come into this community mm -hmm. to build a new kind of family. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's inside the city, not just out in the country. Mm -hmm. But this is a community that understands what they're dealing with. They understand the temptations of life. They're not caught off guard. They recommit their lives. Mm -hmm. And some of the people who are represented by the, the animals that come into the ark, they represent the non-believers, the ones that are not the descendants of Seth. They're actually the people of Cain. They're the people of Abel. Mm -hmm. They're all these types of people, no longer just the descendants of Seth, who come to this covenant that, that, that Noah is raising. Mm -hmm. And they make a commitment to God with all their heart. Mm -hmm. And they form a new community, a religious community, inside the city. Mm -hmm. And it floats above the corruption. Mm -hmm. That's the ark. That's the ark. And that's mm. what we Baha'is believe okay. is happening today. Mm. We are living in a drowning world mm. full of hate, prejudice, full of corruption from mm -hmm. every kind. Just read the newspapers. Mm -hmm. Look at what's happening to the leaders of our country. We can see it. It's everywhere. Mm -hmm. What's the answer? Well, we notice one, something. There's a whole lot of talk about religion by the very same people claiming to make claims of shall we say fundamental dedication to religion who are turning right around and leading the way into the corruption mm. I suggest to you a new ship is being launched a new ship that calls us to be clear about these matters mm. to not kid ourselves how it works mm -hmm. if you love God then live it mm. 
we have to real we cannot continue to live this hypocritical way of living we're going to have to take a stand against the corruption mm -hmm. the injustice the prejudice the male dominance male violence violence of all kinds these are the problems of our world mm. it's on an international level it's on a local level it's on uh, it's, it's all over and that's why it's going to take a movement mm. God's movement God setting up a new ark mm. calling people from every tribe on earth every spot on earth mm -hmm. to build a community within their society that takes a stand and says we will not let this crush our lives. Mm -hmm. We will not drown mm -hmm. in this cesspool. We wish to rise up, and when there's enough of us, mm -hmm. we will affect such change that in fact the world will become like the kingdom of heaven on earth. Mm -hmm. Because God is with us. God is with us. And here's the key it's not on one part of the planet or another part, it's all over the planet that this ark is being built mm -hmm. in every part of the world there's this little bit of commu uh, this community being built mm -hmm. people of light mm -hmm. who are taking a stand who are saying enough is enough mm -hmm. we wish to follow God and his ways of justice of mercy of compassion we wish to embrace all the peoples of the world mm -hmm. we want to recognize the validity of the ancient and older religions mm -hmm. but it's time that we honor the past but stop repeating it. There are mm -hmm. always good people everywhere mm -hmm. struggling. Mm -hmm. But what I'm suggesting is that God in every age sends the voice of truth. Mm -hmm. In other words, in Jesus' time, Jesus taught and was the voice of truth, mm -hmm. the word from God. There were many other wonderful Romans, many wonderful Greeks. But in general, Romans didn't want anything to do with Jews. Jews didn't want anything to do with Romans and neither one of them wanted anything to do with Greeks mm. and Greeks didn't want anything to do with either of them either. They were kind of forced together. Mm -hmm. But in the new community that Jesus built, he built a community that had new scriptures. He built a community that had a new name. Mm -hmm. He built a community that did not fit what any of the three were expecting. I tell you this, the house of Israel did not expect a person riding on a donkey uh, coming from Nazareth with no army and no angels and no power was the Messiah. Mm -hmm. They didn't, that's not their idea of a Messiah. Mm -hmm. The Romans surely didn't like a teaching that said, turn the other cheek. Mm -hmm. They were using to kick their face in. Mm -hmm. And the Greeks sure didn't want to have to be told that their wisdom was for nothing if they didn't build the noble character. They wanted to be intellectual. My point is all three were not happy with this new idea mm -hmm. except those with good hearts. Those who listened with their hearts heard it, that it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. And they came together and they were willing to let go of their prejudices, let go of the old ways. Mm -hmm. And many of them were wonderful, good people they came from, but they recognized the only hope for the Roman Empire, that world, mm -hmm was to come into this new ark that Jesus built. Mm -hmm. And they, that ark was the church. Mm -hmm. And for thousands of years, it's been there. And it was a bulk work as much as possible. Again, but even Jesus said that we're going to fight the fight, but in effect, we're not going to take the, the, this empire and turn it into the Garden of Eden. I mean, mm -hmm. he knew that we could only go so far. Mm -hmm. 
But he promised that the day would come in the future when the kingdom of heaven would come to earth. Mm -hmm. Now, of course, most religious people interpret that what we would say very superstitiously. Magic coming out of the sky, just like the house of Israel expected Jesus to come the first time. Mm. They want all this magic to take place. They want to see war defeating all their enemies. And instead, God has a way of doing things. He sends a humble teacher mm -hmm. who comes from a place we don't want him to come from, mm. who says things that the rich and the powerful don't want to hear. But for the humble, the lovers, those who really do want to please God, mm they can hear it mm. and they come together and they're willing to pay the price of giving up their prejudice giving up their comfortable way of thinking that makes them feel like they're okay too bad about the rest of the world but in this case it's where if my life can be lived in such a way that it can inspire others that it can give hope to people mm. that we can do it that we can live a just not a perfect life. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about a committed life to the purpose of bringing truth and justice to society, to our lives, to our marriages, to our children, and realize that it's, that it's God's inspiration and our perspiration, mm -hmm. and we can have the new world, i.e., Jesus said it this way, and there shall be a new heaven and a new earth. He didn't mean replace the planet with another planet. He meant that a new way of living on this planet would come about. Mm -hmm. And heaven represents our hopes and dreams. Instead of a, a, of a city descending out of the sky and dropping on us and we just walk in made out of gold, mm -hmm. it really is a blueprint of God for future society that we humans can implement and build mm -hmm. and will inevitably come about where the lamb and the lion lie down together mm -hmm. in this case it's happened in my own family i coming from a born-again christian background mm -hmm. have a daughter mm -hmm. who i love dearly mm -hmm. who then i met a man from a muslim part of the world mm -hmm. an iranian of all people and i saw in him the spirit of god and introduced him to my daughter he, in this sense, is symbolizing common understanding of the lion mm. to my little lamb of a daughter, and they have now four grandchildren. Mm. Now, am I happy with this? I am because of what? It's not about where he comes from. It's about where he's going. Mm. He comes from a world of great uncomfortableness for me, but because he sees this light, mm -hmm. and he turns towards God with all his heart, Mm -hmm. And he lets go of the traditional way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And me coming from my background, and, and I bring the good with me, but I leave behind those prejudices and sense of superiority and we're the only ones. Leave that behind and embrace my Islamic, former Islamic brother mm -hmm. and invite him into my family to marry my daughter and raise up new type of children mm -hmm. who don't keep those prejudices. And in a sense, we honor these pasts but we are not going to repeat it we're moving into a new heaven and into a new earth mm. and we're going to give our lives to build it to me this mm. is the true meaning of the story of Noah and the ark we'll take a short break and return to more with Ray Estes 
a Baha'i from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who was formerly a born-again Christian and has studied the Bible for many years. You are listening to WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. The Baha'is of the Springfield area would like people to know about the Unity Center in downtown Springfield, 434 Belmont Avenue. Highlighted events include homework help on Wednesday evenings, devotional gatherings on Thursday evenings, and classes about the Baha'i faith and other spiritual matters on Saturday mornings. It's open to all faiths, and the events are listed in the Republican newspaper under the Religious Directory section. For more information, you can call 413-783-2136 or visit the website www.bahaisofhamdencounty.org. perspective. I'm your host, Warren Odess Gillette. I'm playing an interview with Mr. Ray Estes, a Baha'i from Chapel Hill, North Carolina, who was formerly a born-again Christian and has studied the Bible for many years. We had a friend with us during the interview who was a devout Christian. After Ray's talk about the story of Noah's Ark, she asked Ray why Baha'is don't drink alcohol. Here's Ray's response. In the old days when we rode donkeys... Two friends wanted to visit each other, and they both took their wine bottle with them and got on their donkey and headed over to their buddy's house. Well, not knowing that their buddy also had humped in his, hopped on his donkey, and but by the time they even got close to each other, they were slouched over uh, their donkeys. But the donkeys meeting on a narrow pass have enough sense to know that they have to walk around each other. And so they walk around each other, and nobody gets hurt. But in a modern, technologically advanced society where you don't see any donkeys out on the street, you don't see horses tethered to the sidewalk, you find these things called automobiles and airplanes. It is criminal that we allow ourselves to take something inside of us and think we have good judgment at all times and therefore distort our consciousness and hop into a vehicle doing 60 miles an hour and there's a, a man and wife and five kids and we run into them with our car and slaughter them and then we say well I, it's not my fault because I, I was drunk I, I was drinking I didn't know what I was doing I suggest to you there is more damage done to families in this country due to excuses that alcohol doesn't matter everything from child abuse to wife abuse, to car crashes, to all manner of destruction emotionally, psychologically, mm -hmm. and physically. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do is realize those days have passed. But uh, what explains uh, the prohibition between the time of Jesus and then Mohammed? Because the idea was even then that it was well known that where drunkenness took place, children and families suffered greatly. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Take away the technological problem. Mm-hmm. The problems that alcohol has brought to human mm-hmm. families is indescribable. Mm-hmm. How many, everybody listening, I can tell you, everybody, I think bar none, know a family where alcohol has been tremendously damaging mm-hmm. to someone in a family. Mm-hmm. Now, when it's that widespread that everybody in America knows a family that alcohol has been destructive to that family, mm-hmm. aside from technology, it's time for us to figure, you know why we'd, we knew this, that's why we had prohibition, mm-hmm. but we couldn't do it because we couldn't control ourselves, mm-hmm. and it allowed the gangsters to come in. And same thing with drugs. Mm-hmm. We know that we shouldn't have things that distort our consciousness to lean on instead of dealing with life trusting we have all the tools granted by God to deal with life and when we use these substances to take us take the pressure off etc mm-hmm. and to get high then it's destructive is mm. there anyone who doubts it mm. but unfortunately there's those who are going to do it who say oh I'm not hurting anybody mm-hmm. I'm not hurting yes we are we're keeping the gangsters strong we're keeping the trafficking going on and gives these people power to keep feeding it to people all over the planet earth only when we on a planetary basis Mm -hmm. make it so criminally wrong Mm -hmm. that as a united front on a planetary basis we eliminate this culture of distortion of the consciousness of man Mm -hmm. will we stand any chance to bring a lot of relief to a lot of children a lot of women a lot of families and save a lot of lives that are today being destroyed by an industry that really has no place in the modern world. Why do you think is it that Jesus didn't prohibit uh, drinking? Okay, that's a good one. There are countries where we Baha'is do not impose the rule of no alcohol. And that's countries where they do not have the technology to provide clean water to their people. If you have to choose between water that is impure and alcohol, that's the lesser of two evils. There comes a time, even Jesus said at one time regarding uh, marriage, why he tightened the rules of marriage was because, yes, God allowed it, but then it's because you... Allowed divorce, you mean? Yeah, allowed divorce. And the reason was because people weren't ready to face up to their responsibilities. They weren't developed enough. But now he was saying in his day, there's only one legitimate reason for divorce, and that's adultery. And as a result, it really was a tough new rule to live by. Mm -hmm. But the point of it is, that some societies do not have yet the means to provide clean water to their families. As a result, alcohol is not, forbi- is not forbidden in those countries because it's one of the ways the poor can, can kill the, the bad things in the water. Mm-hmm. Now, when they get to a point, though, when they've matured as a society to where they can provide clean water, then we Baha'is that are living in that community, in that country, we no longer, we then stop using alcohol Mm. it's not easy I'm going to tell you right now I come from a German family where the beer flowed left and right Mm. but when I became a Baha'i I stopped drinking alcohol Mm -hmm. in fact the first night I came to the Baha'i meeting I said "Uh, I hear there's a problem with alcohol I hope I don't have to give up my beer (laughs) and they said to me well actually you do And just a little funny aside, I had asked some of my friends. I was going to my first Baha'i meeting, and I didn't know what it was. So I said, what do you know about the Baha'i faith? And the guy said, oh, I know all about them. They worship God in purple temples in Los Angeles. 
And I, you know, I, oh no, I mean, that's really weird. And then I went and somebody said, what do you know about the Baha'i faith? Oh, I know all about it. They're all vegetarians. And then, of course, I heard that they didn't drink alcohol. Hmm. I thought, what am I walking into here? What kind of religion is this? I said, purple temples. My goodness, what a terrible thing. And I love beef. I mean, take hamburger away from me and you, you're just going to starve me. Having to be a vegetarian, would that be terrible if it was something? I mean, I can't understand. So anyway, that's with that attitude I went into my first Baha'i activity. And when I found out that there were no purple temples, hurrah! <laughs> when I found out that most Baha'is try to be vegetarians, but that it's voluntary, I'm st I, can, I can still eat beef. <laughs> I was very happy. But I did have to give up my beer. Mm. Now, people don't like to be told that there's things we need to do. Mm. But you want to know something? Somebody's got to volunteer to step up to the plate and say, we're not going to pollute this planet. We're not going to do things that harm other people. We're not going to kid ourselves that we can do whatever we want that feels good and that that doesn't hurt people. Mm -hmm. It does matter. Mm -hmm. These restrictions, it seem to be so um, out of place with the modern world of fidelity, of commitment. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, these things have a reason for being there. Mm -hmm. God isn't trying to make life difficult. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And if we would listen to him, he would bring joy, satisfaction, and happiness to our lives. Mm -hmm. But of course, oh no, we want to be able to do whatever we want to do and then wonder how come life is so hard. Mm -hmm. I'm suggesting the laws of God are the laws of mercy and love. It's like when you have a child, you have to set down some rules. You have to put some structure down. No, they don't like doing their homework. They'd rather work on the play on the computer. But if they just play on the computer their whole life, they don't know what's going to happen in the future, but you do. That's God looking mm. at us. Mm. We think we can do whatever we want and there's no price to be paid. Mm. There's a price. It's a heavy one. Mm. All you've got to do is look around. Look at your friends. Look what's happening out here. Mm. Now, I've been married 44 years to the same woman. Mm -hmm. And people say, wow, like, like it's a miracle. Mm. And in some ways it is. <laughs> because I was raised in this society. I was raised to use women, not to respect them and cherish them. I had to make a major change. I had to say to myself, mm. I've got to take a stand. Mm. I've got to make a commitment. Mm -hmm. And I've got to live up to it so that I can respect myself and women in general mm -hmm. and raise my daughters and my sons to do the same. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's hard. It's sometimes challenging, mm -hmm. but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. And I have five children. Four of them have marriages that are solid as a rock because they made a commitment. So I've seen it in living color. I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my family members. And now I've seen it in my own children. Mm. There's a truth to these things of God. Mm. And there's a wonderful decision that we can make. There are the power of the Holy Spirit comes into our life and gives us the strength to take up this responsibility and change this world from the way it is into a world everyone would want to raise a child in. Mm. All I'm saying is we're all suffering. But we're suffering because we don't understand. When we take away the high moral calling 
that religion in its pure form has always called for, we hurt ourselves. Mm. We're not hurting God. We're hurting ourselves, and, and it's everywhere. Mm. But the answer is, God is calling out to us today, as he always has, calling us to take a stand, calling us to rise up and show the world that it can be done mm. and show them the joy that comes with being in harmony with the spiritual truth. Ray, as you know, and we talked about before, Christ forbade divorce, but... Um, with the exception of adultery. With the exception of adultery, okay. In the Baha'i faith, divorce is acceptable and adultery is not necessarily the only grounds required to have divorce. So can you reconcile those two? Yes. First of all, it goes back to in, uh, in Israel, uh, it said that uh, Moses said that uh, you just had, when a man wanted to divorce a woman, he could write her a bill of divorcement and send her home. Well, that was very convenient for men, but not always real good for women. Mm-hmm. And so the tightening of the divorce rule was really to stop men from doing that. In those days, women didn't have rights, and there was no way to get rights for them. Uh, we weren't ready, mature enough to handle it. But Jesus was trying to at least give some protection to a woman, so she just couldn't guy get mad at her, give her a little piece of paper, and send her home. So he made it really tough. But as time has gone on, our understanding of the relationship between men and women has matured, at least it's come around that we can see a better way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Now, we have to have a context. For example, in the, in the Bible, uh, Paul says, and this is one of the ways that, that uh, women were looked at, he said that as God is to Jesus, Jesus is to man, man is to woman. Mm-hmm. He was ranking the hierarchy. He was saying that God the Father is greater than God the Son and then that God the Son is greater than a man mm. well I would say being a man that Jesus is really up there compared to me mm. and therefore if my relationship to him is to be mirrored by my relationship to women boy it's gonna women got a long way to go mm. that means us guys are really got a thing going here women are really far down the ladder now Yes, we should love them and cherish them, he also said. But we love and cherish our children, but we don't treat them the same way as equals. Mm -hmm. Now, he also said another interesting thing in defense of his statement. He said, woman was made for man. Man wasn't made for woman. Mm -hmm. Now, how do we reconcile that uh, with the way we now... And I'll tell you, how do we know this is wrong? Because the Spirit of God is moving in our hearts. We are becoming, we're being made aware that it's not true. That women really are equal with men. Mm-hmm. Now, the Baha'u'llah, the teacher who taught the Baha'i faith, basically said men and women are equal. Get used to it. Mm. I mean, he essentially says the days of male domination are over with. Mm-hmm. And any attempt to keep it going is sinful, basically. That's the spirit of it. To treat a woman as an inferior being is sinful today. Mm-hmm. To look upon a man or a woman of a different race with prejudice today is a sin. But it wasn't a sin because we weren't mature enough to handle this 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Paul said it best. 
When I was a child, I spake as a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. We have left our adolescent years. The days of Christ was a part of our adolescence. Mm -hmm. Days before Noah or before Adam was our childhood. Mm -hmm. From Adam to the present day, or about a hundred years ago, we were living in an adolescent world. But we've entered maturity now. Now there's more expected of us than our teenage years, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So that now we can understand this. That when two people get married and do their best to make it work, pray to God to make it work. Make every effort. Go to counseling. Make every effort to make this marriage, but they just cannot reconcile that their differences are so great that they actually begin to have a revulsion for each other. That they can go to the community and ask permission to divorce. And what that community in the Baha'i way, they meet with counselors, they are advised, everything is done to save that marriage. But if they find that they grant them what we call a year of patience, to take one year to live separately with no intimacy and let them try to work out their differences apart. And if after a year they cannot reconcile, they're granted the opportunity to divorce. Mm. Now, the reasons are different. But essentially, the, everything is done to pre preserve that marriage. They can't just write a little letter and walk off. They have to go through this process. Mm -hmm. But if they go through all of that and they still want a divorce, then a divorce is granted. Mm -hmm. And there's no wrong involved. Of course, things are done to make sure that the children are cared for in the right way. So divorce is allowed in the Baha'i faith. But even then, we're struggling with this because these are tough times for marriage. Mm -hmm. There's so many pressures to take us down. Mm -hmm. the, we've been raised in a culture of permissive, permissiveness to where it's hard to be committed to one person. But it's needed. Mm -hmm. Women are different in some ways than us men. We're equal, but we're different. But our society has thrown these things aside. And we are suffering, both men and women, but particularly the children. So we Baha'is are trying to build a new spiritual culture where marriage is highly, highly honored. Mm. For example, we raise our children with the understanding that the day will come, they're going to choose a mate, and that it's a big deal, more important than their career second only to their love of God mm -hmm. and to take it very serious and to not go around experimenting but find the love of your heart one that you want to build a better world with one you want to raise children that are going to be a new type of child mm. a child of character of nobility and of high resolve so we're consciously making the effort to bring about a, a new understanding of these things. Mm -hmm. And yet they're rooted in what Christ taught. They're rooted in what Moses taught. Mm -hmm. they're, they're rooted in what Muhammad taught. Muhammad didn't encourage people to have four wives. He wanted them to have only one wife. He allowed four because that was the custom. They would sometimes have 20. Mm -hmm. He restricted them to four. But he told them it was better they only had one. Mm. Christianity, same way. Hey, listen, polygamy's been going on out there. In this day, we know the truth. We are to have one partner. Mm -hmm. And we're to cherish that partner. 
and bring joy to that partner and together build something beautiful. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ray Estes, a Baha'i who comes from a born-again Christian background who has studied the Bible for many years and shares his insights into the spiritual meanings of this most precious book. If you would like information on the Baha'i faith specifically, you're welcome to visit the website www.baha'i.org. That's B-A-H-A-I dot O-R-G. Or you can call the toll-free number 1-800-22-UNITE. I hope you'll join me next time on A Baha'i Perspective. Oh, oh.
WXOJLP Northampton, 103.3 FM, your Valley Free Radio Station. 